everyone. Welcome to the Love Meets Joy podcast on the Smile Train Podcast Network. We're super excited about today's episode. We always say this, but today it is on a million. Like I cannot believe we've so exciting. This right, Ashley? It's so excited. But before we get into that, I'm Iva Ballou. I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate, the CEO of Real Sophisticated Joy, and a cleft confidence coach. And I'm Ashley Barber. I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate as well. And I'm the creator of Cleft Love. And by day, I work as a teacher consultant with students who have hearing loss. So we've been talking about doing this episode for a while. I cannot believe it's here. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Do you think the audience knows what's going on? Probably not, but we've been teasing it for a while. We have. We have. So audience, as Ashley just mentioned, we've teased for a while that we had to have a conversation with two very important people in our lives. And we're going to kickstart that off with today's guest, a very, very, very important person in my life. The woman who taught me that I have a cleft and that a cleft does not have me. The woman who... Although I did not have any cleft representation growing up, I could always look to her with her lipstick, her style, her dress, (laughs) how she handled things. And I could remember saying, I want to be like that when I'm growing up. And so if you haven't guessed it by now, today's special guest is my mother, Carolyn Ballou. Welcome, Carolyn Ballou, or welcome, Mom. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So we're going to talk to the audience. Feel free to say whatever. You can spill the beans about me, although I don't know what she's going to say. So who knows, audience? so excited to talk to you later, Miss Malou. (laughs) (laughs) Nice meeting you as well, Ashley. Get get the tissues ready. So (laughs) did you know that I was going to be born with a cleft? I think maybe in the third month or fourth month, I got this excruciating pain and after a while, I went to the doctor, Okay. to my gynecologist, mm-hmm. and he uh, referred me to another doctor. And I said, okay. So do you think that he knew, the first doctor that you went to, do you think that he knew? It wasn't until later on. He referred us to okay. uh, this other doctor. Mm-hmm. And in the room, when he was doing the sonogram and everything, uh, he just said, hmm. So we didn't <laughs> think anything about it. And then he called us for a meeting in his office. The same day? The same day. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he took he takes you and dad back there. And how does he present it to you? Does he cut around the bush or does he Well, no, he forward? had me, you know, we, I got dressed and I went to his office. Um, my husband and I went to the office and he um, just started talking. And I, I think he was just as uncomfortable talking to us about it as we were to, hey, what, what is it? And he told us that... Um, that our baby had a cleft, whatever that was, and we were clueless. And he asked us, what did we want to do? And I, I couldn't understand, well, what is he talking about, what we want to do? You know, it's our baby. We have a baby, a baby girl at that. So he said, okay. And we left out feeling just as happy as we came in there, like, really? what a big deal. Really? You, you never told me that. Like, you, you walked the, out like nothing. I mean, we're having a baby. And she may have a cleft. I had no clue what that was. So uh, for the audience, I've disclosed before that my father has passed away. But what did dad say? Did he say anything? 
No. Yeah, he was good for a good saying or something. No, he, I can't recall him saying anything, but we just went, had dinner, and there <laughs> okay. it is. But at that time, you had no We like, had no, no recollection. idea what a cleft was. Okay. And, a, something to add about that? Yes, I can remember um, the doctor mm-hmm. that we had that delivered you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he had a, another doctor help him who also had a cleft. Yeah, so I thought that was really nice because he, you know, he was trying to explain that to me mm-hmm. while I was in labor mm-hmm. and I could care less about what he had, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's get on with the show. Okay. Did you make sure to put on lipstick? They don't let you put lipstick on when you're having a baby. But after? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's a must. Okay. So I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Right. So that means that I did not have my outer lip, nor did I was able to suction. You had the, the lip, but it was split. It was split. It was split. So what so was feeding function. like? Did you breastfeed me or? Well, fortunately for us, uh, when I look back over it, Nemours had a cleft palate coordinator mm-hmm. who was there and, uh, she came in immediately and tried to help me feed you, and it, it it made it easier. So I did the best I could with what I had. And, and so what did you have? Like, what did I do? You remember? There was a certain bottle. Okay. A certain bottle. And I was trying to breastfeed you, but you couldn't let you on. So it was trial and error. Trial and error. Okay. And so speaking of trial and error, as I'm being born and you're going through this new I guess, new normal of having this cleft baby. You also had my older brother. Right. Do you, he was five. He was five. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that was also a challenging aspect of ha- of me having the cleft, of trying to navigate caring for me and caring for this other baby? <laughs> Not really, because Isaac always wanted a baby. He always wanted a baby. He, <laughs> he always wanted a baby. Wanted a baby. I guess he knew or he felt that, you know, it shouldn't be just one. It should be him and somebody else, another child. So he was so thrilled. Uh, I recall one day um, you were only maybe a couple of weeks and I was in the kitchen and he came in the kitchen holding you. And he said, "Uh, come on, baby sister. Mommy don't know what to do with a baby. (laughs) And I said, you're right. Mommy don't. But let me have him and put her back so she'll be safe. So he was real. Okay. So he was happy in that aspect, but you know, some of the conversation that we've had in adulthood is that he sometimes felt left out of my cleft experience. And he probably was because I didn't know the days of the week per se. Mm -hmm. My whole focus was um, making sure you got to the uh, doctor's appointments when and where. In fact, I tried to keep a journal whenever I could find time. And one of the things I said, the day after, in my journal. Oh gosh! Okay. I said, "Ivy, you look so pretty to me today. Everybody's being so nice, but there are doctors, doctors everywhere. Ivy, I'll do whatever it takes to fix your face and your lip. Together, trusted in God, everything will be all right. In fact, Joanne D. Nicola from the Cleft Platt Clinic is here to help us with our journey." I'm already crying. (laughs) Couldn't even get it in, but it's okay. And I think that's why I always say I'm very thankful for having you as a mom because 
one thing that you really instilled in me was like advocating. You really instilled advocacy in all of my being. Where did that come from? I really don't think I instilled that in you, Iva, because (laughs) when you were born, number one, you were born breech. You had your umbilical cord wrapped around your neck several times. So (laughs) thankfully it was a C-section. So you came here fighting. And I just, and my husband need to just make sure you understand that you're no different. Mm-hmm. You're no different from anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that everybody's got something. Yeah. They just can see yours. Yeah. You, you would always That's tell it. me that. She would always tell me everybody has something. Yours is just more visible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that we have to talk about the fact that not only was I a clef, but I was a black woman. Do you mm-hmm. think... That was a little different to navigate as well because, you know, in our community, it's not always prevalent, especially back in the 80s. Well, I think kind of, Ivor, we put blinders on. Yeah. Because no matter what everybody else was doing in the world, Mm -hmm. our primary focus was you. So it didn't matter to me. Like I said earlier, that I was going to do whatever I had to do Mm -hmm. to make sure that you were okay. Even slapping me down in the grocery store? Even knocking you down in the grocery store. So we have to tell this story. When I think about my mother doing this, it's not who she is. So they really got to you that day. What happened? Well, she was born in September and Thanksgiving was coming up. So I went to a store, a well-known store that sells turkeys and hams. And um, I had Iva all bundled up because I didn't want, number one, the cold weather. And number two, I didn't want people just looking at her. You know how people see someone with a new baby, they want to see it. And, and they did. And, um, people were making comments like, Oh, were you on drugs? Oh, you got a hair lip. That wasn't the day to say that to me because something happened to me. And I started unwrapping her out of the blanket, taking her hat off her head. Then I held her up. This is my child. This is my child. There's nothing wrong with her. And then at the same time, something struck me and I looked around and you should have seen the look (laughs) on the people's faces. So I had to go around, snatch the turkey, and then pick up all your stuff and wrap (laughs) it back up so I can get back to the car. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that's the day that I realized that this is my child and she's going to be okay. She's going to be fine. And that's how we were doing it. And we were. Yeah. And so you said that you were going to do anything to, you know, help me out and get me to where you felt that I wanted to be. And so part of that would go into my surgeries. You know, Mm -hmm. I had quite a few. Did you ever have like any like hidden fears or anything like that? Because I have to tell you, I was actually more afraid of the surgeries than I let on. Well, you you made it kind of easy. Uh, the first couple of times when any mother, you know, they your child is taken from you for surgery. I don't care if it's something minor. You you lose control. You have no control over that. So I was um, really nervous and prayerful and crying. And we would always have an entourage of um, people mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. In fact, one story I wrote in here about we were getting ready to have surgery and um, I wrote, oh, Iva, you are so confident and sure of yourself. Today, you're going to have a surgery. And when we got off the elevator, our pastor was there waiting for us. 
and you are so happy. We were also joined by your Daisy leader, as well as friends from work. You are so brave in the light of the entire floor. Everyone is amazed at your bravery. I'm crying because I'm scared for you. I don't want you going through the pain, and I only want the best for you. As they take you away, Ivor, you are still brave and wave goodbye. I realize just how special you are. No matter where you go, you make friends. I talked with another parent while I was waiting the five hours for your in surgery. When you came out, Ivor, you didn't complain. You don't ask for pain medication. You ask for a baby doll. So you talked about the fact that you sat there for five hours. You never would leave the surgery? No. So what was going through your head during that time? Well, I would talk to other people who seemed to be a little more fearful than me, okay. uh, that it was going to be all right, trying to encourage them. And I trust God to do what he needs to do. Okay. And I didn't want to have fear and put that fear on you. Right. And your daddy was there, so we just did the best we could. Several times um, when... Surgery was uh, needed, be it for your cleft palate or be it for your eye, uh, be it for your dentistry. The insurance company would say that it's not medically necessary. And then I would have to write letters, get the doctors involved, and write to these insurance companies Mm -hmm. to say, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. This is something she was born with from birth. Mm -hmm. It is medically necessary. And so I got to learn a lot of terminology (laughs) and a lot of words. And uh, fortunately, fortunately and blessfully, they always eventually Mm -hmm. came through. But it is a hurdle. So during that process, I began to help some other people that came to the cleft palate clinics Mm -hmm that we can do this. We just have to stay vigilant and we just have to stay focused Mm -hmm. because we are your promoter. We are your ally. We're the person who's standing up for you. And see, that's why I always felt like you were big on advocacy because you didn't know what you were doing. You just knew that you had to do it. I just knew I had to do something because my child is entitled to this. this. This happened to her. So you all, I have insurance. I pay my bills. So there you go. (laughs) That's it? There you go. That's it? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say is or was my least successful surgery? And it could be from your point of view or from my point of view. I think the least successful one was when they were doing your nose. Mm -hmm. And after that, doing the nose surgery, you started snoring. (laughs) I mean, I could hear you. In the garage. What? And I knew something wasn't right. Something wasn't right. I never knew so this. So I went back. I took you back. And they had to correct that. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> you held yeah. that one in. <laughs> okay. And what was my most successful surgery? I think the most successful surgery was your very first surgery. Okay. Because that let me know, okay, we can work with this. There's some things we can do. And when they did the first surgery, they laid out an outline of what's possibly going to come mm-hmm. next. So I think the very first surgery was the most successful because not only did it help you, it helped us mm-hmm. uh, to understand we can do this. It can be done. And so just really quickly, can you think about any like contraptions that I had that you thought, I can't put my child in this? Uh, there was a... <laughs> 
there was a uh, a cap and you fasten it up. Mm-hmm. The uh, orthodontic one. Where the had- orthodontic one. So that was one. And then you had another one with the braces. I had the full uh, cape? Yeah. I didn't know I had yeah, I You thought- had that for a period of time. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we could talk about this forever. You have definitely let me know some things that I didn't even know. I hope that the audience is enjoying this so far. And after the break, we're going to hear from Ashley. She's going to have some questions for you. You ready for that? Yes. All right. Let's see what we got. We are happy to tell you more about our sponsor, Smile Train. SmileTrain pioneered a sustainable model of partnering with local medical professionals in more than 70 countries. In 22 years, it has supported more than 1.5 million safe cleft surgeries, more than all other cleft charities combined. And as many people in our audience know, children born with clefts often need more essential cleft treatments than just surgery. Because their partners provide local year-round care, SmileTrain is also able to fund nutritional support, dental care, orthodontic treatment, speech therapy, and psychosocial support for those who need it. SmileTrain invests in their partners, providing them with the -the state-of-the-art equipment and training they need to make safe and quality care possible for those who need it most. Go to smiletrain.org slash donate slash lovemeetsjoy today and donate $21 a month to make sure that every child with a cleft can receive the care they need whenever they need it. Hey everyone, welcome back from break and I'm super excited to now be joining Iva and Mrs. Ballou and... Mrs. Baloo, this is our first time meeting. And I have to be honest with you, I was like kind of nervous coming into today because <laughs> I was like, I hope Iva's mom likes me because I've oh, heard yes. so much about you and just such a po- the positive impact that you've had on Iva's life. And so I just feel really honored to have the chance to meet you and talk with you today. I'm excited as well. I, I, I hear Iva talking about you all the time and the things that you are doing. So I finally get to meet you. I know. It's so fun. Um, so it was very interesting to me as I was listening to you and Iva talk at, you know, in the first segment, because I noticed that there were so many similarities between her journey and my journey, um, even things that I didn't even think about when you were talking about contraptions you were talking about her having like a cap um was that like a hat and then it went under her nose yes that's exactly I what had it that was. too and <laughs> I still have it somewhere uh yeah and it's so funny because my parents always thought that it was something my surgeon created and they were like we don't know how this was beneficial or if it did anything and you know it's real <laughs> obviously black that out that's okay. right you were too young to okay. remember okay yeah because it was before any surgeries that's right what mine was. that's so funny i'll have to send iva a picture of me and mine and see if it looks anything like hers did i bet it did we have to do that i think i still have the hat oh that would be so cool i um i wonder if my parents have mine it might be in the attic somewhere i'll have to i have to find it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so Something that Iva and I have talked a lot about is a lot of the challenges around growing up with cleft and the surgeries and and all of that. I was curious, though, from your perspective, what has been 
the most challenging part of it for you as a mom? I guess the most challenging part has been when people uh, stare or Mm. when little kids. um, In fact, I had to, well, my husband had to help me not say something mean back to them. Yes. Yeah. Because (laughs) I meant, this is my child. And um, it's, it's hard to see people doing that to your child. That's a form of bullying even then. And nobody said anything. And then, you know, to me, everything else I could deal with. But there would be several times I would be like, mom, it's okay. It's okay. She's like, "Mm -mm, nope, no, no. And it's like, I don't understand. She didn't care. Sometimes I think it's harder for our loved ones to see us endure that because for us, it's sort of something we see regularly right like yeah. it's very little yeah. so, sometimes it's very subtle and yeah. but we're used to it and then when someone does something that's less subtle then you know it, it's sort of and yeah. she would always catch it yeah I would yeah I bet that that is a really challenging part of it something else I thought was really interesting is you said that you were never like you didn't have any fears before Iva was born related to the cleft. And I was wondering with her brother, because he was older, when did you tell him that she was going to be born with a cleft? And how did he react the first time he saw her? Like I said earlier, um, he never asked that. He just loved her. He really never asked? He never asked that. He never asked that. He wanted a baby. (laughs) He wanted a baby sister. And he never asked that. He was uh, oh. more protective of her. Yeah. And, you know, there was a five-year difference in them. Mm. So he, he just never asked. But I did explain it to him. And when he first saw her, it was like, there's nothing wrong with her. She's so pretty. Come on to big brother. I meant. Oh. It was the sweetest thing. Yes. That's really special. Because I think that that's something a lot of parents struggle with now when I see mm you know, in Facebook groups or something, they're always worried about how to tell the older siblings and how to prepare them and everything. But I think it's such an important message that you have that the siblings just love them exactly how we are, you know? And I think that's something that's so special about our families too, is that they almost don't see it. That's right. They don't see it. Yeah. Did you, after Iva was born or when she was growing up or something, was there something that happened, like a positive experience that really made you feel like, okay, everything's going to be all right? Well, several of them. Um, Iva met, she made friends easily, even in kindergarten. I mean, she just met friends. And then our church had a big, huge celebration. And I never not let Iva do anything. She participated in Sunday school. She participated in the Easter speech. But this time, Iva gave a speech in front of over a thousand people at the church. Oh, wow. And I thought, my goodness, how is this going to go? I do remember that. But she did it. And I said, okay, she got it. She'll be okay. Yeah. She'll be okay. (laughs) Remember we talked about the stories that we tell? It's like, I wish I would have kept that little girl. Yeah, she mm. she did well. And I figured, okay, if she can do this, she can do anything. And how old did you say she was when she did that? She couldn't have been no more than six or seven. Wow, that's amazing. A thousand people. You were famous back then, Iva. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. 
I, I always try to put her in situations where she's no different. You're no different. Yeah. You're no different right. than anybody. Yeah. And just to feel confidence. Yeah. Thankfully, growing up, my brother had his group of friends and then my group of friends, but they were all in the same age and we would all play together and you would go to their yeah. houses. And my mother was mm-hmm. and dad were quick to let the parents know, do not give her special treatment. Do not coddle her. Yeah. She can do it. In fact, most of the parents always wanted their children to come mm. to be around Ava because of the amount of um, confidence she had. So oh, I love they that. wanted to be with Ivor. They wanted their children to be with Ivor. She's so confident. She's so sure. That is true. It would be like, if Ivor's going, you can go. I love that. And do you think that there was any point in her growing up that that confidence wavered? I don't think it wavered. I think it probably changed a little, uh, especially yeah. when she was going into new school settings. Yeah. Because the people were not used to her. And then she always overcame that. She always drew them in to her. You know, naturally you're going to have some. Of course. But I think she was pretty much well-liked. Everybody yeah. knew her. Uh, but I would shudder because the way the school system was set up, she would have to walk down this hall and kids would be on both sides. Mm. So were they going to make fun of my child? Yeah. You know, yeah. I worried about that. I didn't want her to have to experience that. But that's life. It's life. Yeah, that's true. Like you said earlier, we all have our stuff and everybody has to figure out how to deal with whatever their stuff is. Right. So that's really interesting. And thinking about all of the surgeries that Iva's had, because I know she's had a lot, is there one that you found particularly challenging to watch her go through as a parent or one that was emotionally taxing for you as a parent? I think the one that was most challenging for me, like I said earlier, was that first one. You know, when your child leaves Mm, you to go back in that room and you can't, you can't go with her. How old was I? You can't fix it. Yeah. You were just a couple of months. Yeah. You can't fix it. And she's so tiny. And she's so tiny. And who's going to protect and who's going to do this? And oh gosh. Yeah. Probably the first time you have to hand her over to a surgeon and just put all of your trust in them. And that was very, very hard. Even though I knew the surgeon, it still doesn't matter. It doesn't make it any easier the first no. time. And then you kind of right. build up your rapport, your trust, your faith. Yes. Yeah. Because every time it happens and she comes out okay and better and, and all of that on the other side, then um, I'm sure that that helped a lot. And at what point did you decide to let Iva sort of take control of her own cleft care? Because I know for a lot of us, there are a lot of sort of optional surgeries that we can have that are more cosmetic. And at what age did you start letting her take the reins? I think when Iva got to um, maybe middle school, yeah. middle school, yeah. she would say she want this, she want that. And we still, she probably still wants some more stuff done. So whenever she would say she wants, um, I would try my best to make it happen. That is with the cooperation of the uh, surgeons and, you know, the dentists. And she had them in the palm of her hand. (laughs) It always sounds like Iva was a better patient than I was. So (laughs) she really was a good patient. She took the, uh, she used to call it her boyfriend. (laughs) Where the intravenous 
line <laughs> and she would drag her through the hospital. That's her boyfriend. And oh, gosh. She, she, she was a good patient. So, yes, guys, I've always had a boyfriend. It was the, the IV. <laughs> you didn't talk about him during our dating episode. I know. Either. I was trying to keep him on the hush. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom just spilled it all. You sure did. I, you yeah. said there was going to be some spillage today. We did say that. <laughs> but we sure would. But I think that's how yeah. she got me to be comfortable with it because it, it went with you everywhere. It's supposed to go with yeah. you everywhere. And so she was like, yeah, it's your boyfriend. And I'm like, okay. Well, come on. Come I on, love Steve. it. So I also have to tell you, Miss Baloo, I wore my lipstick today, especially for you. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I was like, I need to impress Miss Baloo because I know how much she likes it. Even in they, when I had both my children, don't bring my baby to me without my lipstick on. Because I wanted to look a special way for them. I love it. That's why I knew today was a special day, so I had to make sure I wore it. Good job. Good job. Um, so I'm curious, when Iva was growing up, did you talk to her about her cleft a lot? And do you remember like the first time she noticed it and what you did? Um, no, I didn't talk to her a lot about it because I didn't want that to define her. Yeah. I didn't want her that to define that her. That makes sense. You right. are you. You're Iva. And Iva didn't need any more encouraging. She really didn't. I think she needed to be tamed down a little. <laughs> The stories we tell, because I totally told myself a totally different story. I told myself a totally different no, story. No, she didn't. Um, so, you know, if she asked me any <laughs> questions, I would answer them or try to. And we went monthly to this cleft palate clinic. So a lot yeah, of questions. Yeah. Went. And then I will be flirting around there talking to every and anybody, you know, trying to encourage them. She was a good promoter for the other children. <laughs> and I sometimes I wonder, is she doing that for me? Or does she have some deep inner feelings about what's going on with her, mm. what she has to endure? I often wondered and prayed about that. I think it was both. So like if her social butterfly-ness was sort of a reaction to the cleft? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say it was a little bit of both. Yes. I have often felt that way about myself or what I've realized as an adult looking back on it, it was kind of a way to like camouflage mm -hmm. the cleft right. because then mm -hmm. if you could be this like shining star, this shining example, then people wouldn't notice yeah. the other stuff. And also uh, I made a point to uh, dress her. So that ah. would be one less thing that people would have to say mm -hmm. or look at. So the reason why I dress the way I dress now is because of her. Like yeah. she would have me in the dressiest of dresses. And it never made sense to me because she would always get upset because they would like, yeah, like $10 hair bows on a, on a child, on a little kid. Yeah. And she would be like, well, they took all your hair bows. I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> she had to make you look good, Iva. She was really good about that. And then my dad would be the balancing act because like the, you know, like the big foofy church dresses, she would add yeah. in extra crinoline. So it'd be really foofy. <laughs> Thank God for my dad, because he would be like, he would take off the extra crinoline and be like, run free child, run free. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Let me, let me go. <laughs> 
how you could move around a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me because I feel like the picture Iva has painted of herself as a child is she thought that she was shy for a period of time. Head. Do you think that she was ever shy? No, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, I don't. What? I don't. People do not believe I don't. me. Um, even the first time I took her to school, the very first time I took her to school, so I didn't like have my head down. No, you didn't. You okay, didn't. maybe not. She wasn't shy because uh, we had gone to um, to a breakfast or something, and yeah. the waitress had said something to Iva, mm-hmm. and Iva told her. She said, "No, I heard you. I heard exactly what you said." She must have been five. Now, who would approach an adult with that kind of tone and language? Iva did, apparently. <laughs> Iva did. Yes. Okay. And no matter where we went, everybody knew Iva, no matter where we went or whatever setting ah. we were in. And to this day, they still ask about Iva. Sometimes they don't even ask about my son, who's oldest. They yes. want to know how Iva is doing. <laughs> okay, so that was when I was like five. But what about, you don't think that there was a shift when I was in high school? No, because... You thought you were all that in a bag of chips because you were driving that car. Oh, because I had a car. Mm -hmm. That was different. Yeah, because I had a car. But I'm (laughs) talking about on the social setting. You know, Uh, I didn't really date. No, you, and that's that's an area that uh, concerns me about would she be be invited to the prom? Would she go to dances? And uh, fortunately, she did, and. So yeah. I was so excited that she did get invited that I um, rolled out the red carpet. I got some red yeah. uh, carpet and rolled it out. So when oh. she came in, everybody would see Iva. I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So um, so do you think that there was anything that you did that helped her build that confidence that has led her to who she is now? Or do you think it was just always within her? I think it was always there, but I think her father and I just really focused on Iva being who she is, Iva understanding who she is, and she doesn't have to be anything other than that. Don't treat her any differently. You can do what everybody else does, Iva. Let's go with it. But you don't think that I learned from you? I don't know about that. (laughs) Yes, I think that I am you. I think that I watched you, you know, as I've said before in the podcast, that I didn't have someone who had a cleft that looked like me, but I always tell the story about how you were such a fierce, you were just like you were fierce in your job. You were very fierce in being a mom. And even though, you know, Mm. she worked a very high demanding job during the week on Saturday, you were my troop leader. Right. With lipstick. With lipstick. Doing it all with with lipstick. (laughs) Always. You know, I think what has been really interesting about talking today is seeing the sort of two experiences. So like your perspective, Miss Ballou, might not have been the same as what Iva was feeling maybe at the time. And so that's just been a really interesting thing for me. And As much as I want to talk forever and ever, and I think now we have to move on to our smile and slay, where we talk about questions that we've heard from our friends and family. Okay. Perfect. And so, Mom, as Ashley said, this is one of our favorite sections, the smile and slay. And this week's question is, 
what would you say to a new mom who's just finding out about a cleft diagnosis of their baby? I guess the first thing I would tell them is that it's going to be okay and that you, as a mother, will have to be the advocate for your child. You will have to make sure that they get all that they need and deserve. Yeah. Uh, be it the doctors, be it the health uh, care insurance, whatever it is, your child is dependent on you to help them go through life. And also, like I told Iva, you have a cleft. The cleft mm-hmm. doesn't have your child. Yeah. So true. So thank you so much, Miss Falou, for being here today. This was truly an absolute honor for me to finally get the chance to meet you. And that's our show for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you, as always. You can find me on Instagram at cleftloveig or on TikTok at cleftlove. And also, Mom, I want to say again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for being my mother. I could not have been where I am today without you. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Real Sophisticated Joy. And for a special treat, Carolyn, you will be closing us out. Okay. Uh, don't forget to go to smiletrain.org to learn all about the wonderful things that Smile Train is doing for the cleft uh, community around the world. And also, you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming site. While you're there, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and real sophisticated joy to everybody. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all of your friends to listen. Questions or episode ideas? Email us at lovemeetsjoy at smiletrain.org. We can't wait to hear from you. Love Meets Joy is a product of Smile Train. Our hosts are Iva Ballou and Ashley Barber. Our senior producer and editor is Ariel Nachman. Our Smile Train producer is Adina Lesher. Love Meets Joy is presented by Smile Train, the world's largest cleft-focused organization, One in 700 babies is born with a cleft, a potentially life-threatening birth difference that can cause difficulties eating, breathing, hearing, and speaking. The good news? Smile Train developed a sustainable model that empowers local healthcare workers around the world to provide life-saving cleft treatment to all who need it everywhere on earth, 100% free. Learn more at smiletrain.org. The information provided in these recordings is meant to be helpful to you and is provided as is for informational purposes only. Smile Train cannot guarantee it is accurate, up-to-date, or error-free. We are not responsible for the content and disclaim all liability concerning actions taken or not taken based on these recordings. 